Welcome to another episode of Jody Jenkins, the golf guy. We are so appreciative of your continued support here in our 20th anniversary season. Our producer, Brett Black, giving me the thumbs up. I know the last episode, we, we forgot to mention that we've been on for 20 years. We're trying to keep it consistent for all the episodes in 2021 to just uh, remind our listeners that we are celebrating and we're going to have some great giveaways coming up um, in the next little while. We've got, I don't want to tell you exactly what's going on. Brett's been working hard on securing some fun prizes, so we're excited about doing that, but there will be an opportunity to win with this program. And as always, you're going to be able to enter online through our social media channels and simply by emailing jodie at jjthegulfguy.com. So stay tuned. Very excited for that. Our guest today is no stranger to the program. In fact, just before we hooked up online, we were just chatting off air a little bit about the last time he was on. And it was just over a year ago when all the COVID stuff was kind of coming to the forefront and we were discussing what the future was for the PGA tour and kind of speculating on when they might start playing again, all actually all major golf tours, not just the PGA. So let's welcome back. Uh, he is a regular contributor to golf digest. He is the equipment guru, Mr. Mike Statura. Mike, welcome back to the show. Jody. Thanks a lot. Happy anniversary. 20 years. I'm trying to remember. Is that, Fairway wood range finder or just a dozen balls? <laughs> I think actually that's a good question. If they were, if there was an equation or some sort of uh, chart for for uh, golfers and anniversaries, that would, that would be up there. Because what would it be in regular wedding anniversaries? Yeah, probably diamonds or something. Probably diamonds. It's, so gen generally, it's always diamonds. Uh, that's been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, what would be the equivalent of a a cost of a diamond, from your opinion, on the equipment side, like a smaller diamond? Like, what do you think? What would you What would you give? I'm I'm thinking a, a full fitting for a set of irons. Oh, that would be nice. I was going to say you could even get away maybe with a nice Scotty Cameron. Like one of their one of their like custom putters, maybe. I, I would say like a, a tour issue, yeah. Scotty Cameron. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, one of like four, or <laughs> or one of one maybe, or something. Yeah, like that. Just, just go to Tiger's house and take one of those. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to join us again. I guess the first question, since it has been just over a year since we've had you on, how how have you guys been doing? How's how's life been during all this? What's you know obviously we've been working from home so we had to get used to uh, instead of uh, accidental meetings in the hallway, uh, twenty seven Zoom scheduled meetings so that that was a bit of a shift but uh, uh, I think the most remarkable thing that we were able to accomplish was sort of maintaining the integrity and the rigorous approach that we take to equipment review and doing a, a full on hot list process. Uh, last fall when, you know, we were kind of not sure where were things were going to go and they kind of dipped pretty badly, um, you know, through the winter there. But uh, we, uh, we did all the things that we did. We didn't take any trips, but we did six-hour Zoom meetings with uh, uh, R&D teams to go over their products and, you uh, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, having the same experience as if we would would have gone to to Carlsbad and and gone through the whole experience out there. But uh, it, to me, 
uh, we uh, we really benefited in a lot of ways because you know when you take a trip out to Carlsbad and and the whole travel end of things, what we miss is uh, having sort of the time to really think about particular product introductions and what the technology is. And, and in the course of a Zoom meeting, it's not just uh, myself and Mike Johnson and Joel Beal, who are kind of the primary editors involved. You know, we have a team of six uh major league scientists, PhDs in mechanical engineering, those guys were on those Zoom calls. So uh, the equipment companies knew that, and, and uh, you know, let's just say the, the sizzle videos were at a minimum and the equations were at a maximum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Thanks I think we're, we're really happy that uh, we were able to produce what I think is, is our best uh, hot list Ever, I mean, it's the first time the, an entire issue has been devoted to the hot list, and and certainly the online versions of the hot list are are stronger than ever. And and I think, again, our whole intent with the hot list from the very beginning is let's get you started, let's get you the knowledge that you need to feel comfortable about starting the process of looking at new equipment and getting better. In broadcasting, Mike, there's a saying that says you're only as good as your last show. I'm curious, do they apply that for you guys? Like you're only as good as your last hot list? Yeah, I think it's it's it may be even smaller than that. It's you're only as good as your your, your last, last review. Yeah, yeah, your last paragraph about <laughs> your last, your last line. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I, and I think you know, it's just like equipment companies, right? I mean, they everybody complains about, well, gee, why do they keep coming out with new stuff? Well. Yeah, they're, no, they're, they're not going to sit around and do nothing for two good years point. or four years. They're they're working hard to to get better. And you know, and, and the other thing to realize is they're not expecting the person who just bought a new driver last year or two years ago to go back and buy a new one uh, that just came out necessarily. I mean, that does happen, but the fact is, with driver life cycles, according to Golf Data Tech, probably in the four to six year range. Yeah. Right. There's a whole crop of people, you know, due for a new driver. And those are the guys that they're trying to compete against and trying to convince. So, you know, I think technology gets better much more rapidly than it ever has. And, and we're seeing that with the, uh, the innovation, not just the cycle, but the process now because of uh, the use of supercomputers and the fact that artificial intelligence is, increasingly a part of how clubs are designed and you come up with uh, this sort of collaboration man and machine and we get ideas that frankly are unlike anything we've seen before so I think it's a, it's a pretty exciting time for for golfers and uh, honestly club designers and engineers because they're they're sort of exploring uncharted territory. Yeah, and you raise a good point about these OEMs. They can't just sit on their hands, as you said, like for two years when they launch something new. They have to be constantly evolving, constantly, as you just mentioned, about technology and uncharted waters. And, uh, you know, if you wait, if you don't do anything, you're losing market share because the attention span of people is so short. And, you know, look at, look at, uh, you would know this firsthand. Most avid golfers get excited when they see a, 
teaser picture of a prototype or a leaked photo and all of a sudden their attention shifts to that they don't think about what they have in their bag it's like okay how am i going to figure out how to get this set of irons or this new hybrid right yeah and i mean obviously there's like any consumer products industry there's there's a big big part of it being marketing but but i think marketing falls apart really quickly if you don't have uh legitimate improvement and oh, for sure and, and and the fact is you can't fake it anymore because there are launch monitors at every retail outlet, every pro shop, every driving range. I've got my driver. You, your new driver, company ABC, okay. You think it's better? Show me. And either it is or it isn't. There's not really uh, a lot of gray area there. I mean, you can buy something just because you think its colors are nice or or it's prettier than what you have, or it doesn't have scuff marks on the on the crown. But uh, uh, either it's better by the numbers, or it's not. So, Mike, it's interesting you you mentioned some of those um, comments about reviews and having a legit product. So, I I want to talk a little bit about reviewing in general, and then we're going to get into some specific items and have you highlight some of your favorites. But obviously, I read Golf Digest, read your hot list and your reviews of balls, equipment, all that stuff. I have also started to watch Rick Shields, who I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with. And I've noticed, in, and this is what I want you to comment on, I always wonder, like, Rick has reviewed, we'll use two drivers, Sim 2 from TaylorMade and the the new um, Epic from uh, Callaway, as an example. He had those drivers, he reviewed them, said they were good drivers, but he literally said there's no difference between last year's model. Like, for him. Now, again, it's subjective because it's his swing, his all that stuff, but... Did you find that as well with equipment year over year? And if so, why do OEMs subject? Like for me, if I, maybe I'm wrong, but if I'm Callaway or TaylorMade and I hear a guy say that, I'm like, I don't know why. Like, why do we want that guy to say that? I, I don't know. Am I missing something? Well, I mean, I think why why uh, someone like Rick Shields uh, gets to review products is because a lot of people watch his videos and and. Uh, he's developed a, a certain following and a certain trust level, and and manufacturers are certainly in the position of, you know, we don't want to not be there. We don't want to true not yeah. take advantage of the opportunity, and 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 maybe the the sensation is there's no such thing as as uh, bad publicity. I mean, you know, I don't follow uh, Rick religiously. But I would say that it's pretty rare that he has a severely negative review. True, that's true. Uh, and so, I mean, that's that's just because one, it's pretty hard to find bad golf products these days, certainly on the club side. And 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 I think you know, and I'm not. I don't want to get into a contest of who's better at, at whatever it is both of us are trying to do, but. <laughs> I, I think what what we're saying with things like the hot list and, and specific clubs is, hey, we think these clubs are meaningful in the game. Pay attention to them. Having uh, one person hit clubs, especially a very good player, have that person hit clubs and say, you know what, either or, or they're about the same, or I don't see a lot of improvement. Well, maybe where the improvement is happening is not, where that one swing is true. So, you know, the, there's no question that uh, companies are 
are well beyond the point of of looking at uh, the best hits, and they're much more uh, aggressively pursuing. I don't want to say the worst hits, but certainly the perimeter and, and trying to increase the size of that uh, maximum trampoline area on a driver, and 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 certainly injecting a lot of ball speed into irons that in the past had none. You know, you're talking about uh, the hottest category in irons right now is the player's distance iron category, and those those clubs are in terms of size and shape, conventional, almost compact, and yet you're seeing ball speeds that used to reserve for, for irons that were, you know, a third bigger and giant top lines and, and huge cavities. So, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, better is, is to me about how the overall approach of, of club design is is taking it and and not just for one player but but for all the range of players and that's why you see the in the hot list when we say a driver is gold it's really not uh, almost always it's really not a driver it's a family of drivers like the the Callaway Epic series or the TaylorMade Sim Two or the Titleist TSI Woods or the Srixon ZX Woods um, you know I think that's that's where the game is right now that we know we are well past the era of one size fits all in drivers. Mike, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on some of the top OEMs or maybe you'll, you know, maybe just OEMs in general and who you think has made the best, or I guess maybe the most uh, advancements in the last let's say five to 10 years or maybe just five years, but what is there, is there a company that you look at and you go, wow, like those guys have really upped their game. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of uh, in fits and starts and in different areas, you know, you, you can kind of go through the bag and and you look at, at uh, you know, what the big players, what, what Callaway and TaylorMade and, and, and Ping and Titleist are doing and Cobra are doing in drivers. And, and you say, well, okay, they're, they're trying things that are fundamentally different, whether it's uh, Callaway's focus on artificial intelligence and you see face thicknesses that in terms of their patterns that are completely different than anything else out there. Uh, You know, you see the construction of the, uh, of the Sim 2 driver, which is completely different than the way drivers have been, built before in, in multiple pieces and fitting together. And again, a fundamentally different approach that allows you to do different things with center of gravity. You know, you see even a company like Srixon with their, their drivers now and, and the way that they're understanding how the body contributes to the face flexing and, 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 you know, and ping, ping just keeps breaking records for, uh, off-center hit stability, and that's been true since since Karsten came out with the I-2 irons and talked about the moment of inertia, and even before that with the answer putter. So, you know, I, I think uh, that you look at different areas. You know, you look at wedges. I mean, C- Cleveland with the RTX Zipcore, the way that club is constructed, again, is so far removed from the way any other wedge is constructed that you're like, 
they should have their own category. So yeah. uh, I think uh, um, everybody makes everybody else better. And that's that's clearly what we're seeing. And then and yeah, so, they want a story to tell, obviously. But I, I still go back to this idea. I don't care what your story is, okay? <laughs> because at the end of the day, either it it resonates with the user, it's fundamentally producing better numbers in an average sense across the entire face of the club on a driver. And it's also sort of taking us in a new direction uh, in terms of materials. That's what you see with, with Titleist in the face of their drivers on, on the TSI line. I mean, that's, that's a material that was used by NASA, you know, oh. a, a decade or so ago for the Mars rover. And you're like, okay, this is where we are now. It's not good enough to do the same thing anymore. <laughs> okay? Fair enough. Fair it's just enough. not. So I, I think it's, again, it's, it's fun and it can be a little overwhelming. And I think that's what the hot list again comes back to. Here's what we're trying to do. We're going we're gonna to educate you so that this is a trusted resource of information so that we can make, so that you can make sense of where you want to take your search next, as opposed to walking in to, you know, whatever your golf store is and being completely overwhelmed, which is an easy alternative and unfortunate one, but, but that's where we are because, you know, information overload is, is kind of standard practice these days. Mike, I know you don't have a ton of time left, but I do want to go through some of the items that I had kind of highlighted from the hot list. I have it in front of me and I just want to go through some stuff in the bag, but so I'm going to start with drivers and maybe just get some comments and feedback and feel free to interject anything that you want to throw in there. But two drivers that jump out to me that were on the gold side of things that I think have made some headway, obviously that you guys have ranked them very high, but typically drivers that weren't always getting a ton of attention and that being Mizuno, obviously, and then Cobra, which I feel has come like leaps and bounds in the driver space. Is that fair? No question about it. I think uh, the Cobra team pound for pound might be the best uh, R and D situation in golf right now i mean they are they are exploring new ways not just in terms of the construction of the rad speed driver uh but the manufacturing process and and making that more efficient and making it more precise and and you know secretly they're they're doing things maybe two years ahead of where others are and then you sort of see others sort of secretly slip in behind them and you're, you're like well wait wait cobra did this two years ago so i mean Radspeed is is really cool and i like the the fact again that it's this a family right so the the three versions there are meant to encompass kind of all of the universe of typical driver user types and, and i think that's that's where we go i think uh, again mizuno is uh, an, another company that that uh does a ton of things that don't get enough credit. And, and, you know, we've been a big fan of what they've done in irons with the shaft optimizer in terms of dialing in the specifics for, for your shaft and iron. So they're doing the same thing with driver now. So you literally can make less than half a dozen swings and it's got standard recommendations for shafts and loft. And, you know, you're, 
you're making the fitting process more productive. And and I get again what uh, uh, what we're seeing is the the benefit of multiple materials, right? Carbon composite all over the place on those Mizuno drivers and 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 the Cobra drivers as well. And and all of a sudden you have a uh, a lot more design freedom in, in that type of driver. Mike, one other one I was going to mention, it's a silver uh, driver from Wilson, the D9. But Wilson in general, are they making a a push back into, or I shouldn't say they are pushing back, but are they making any progress in being out there like the Wilson of old? And the reason I bring that up is like here in my hometown, Belleville, Ontario, Canada, we actually have a Wilson Amer Sports warehouse that's been here forever. So Wilson is pretty prevalent around our community. Like we've always had Wilson clubs at tournaments because they're a great community partner. So, but I see, it seems to be that Wilson's trying to get back out there. So are they, are they making headway? You know, again, I think Wilson sort of knows its lane, but in that lane, let's again, focus on R and D there. This is a group that's really ramped up what they're trying to do in terms of designing a face that flexes differently than uh, where Wilson drivers have been in the past. They're, they're again, using this artificial intelligence to get a, a face design that's fundamentally better than they've had before. And, and you're seeing it, you know, in a driver that's less than $400, you know, us, that's $350 us right now. And it gets you what you need. And I think that's another thing that's lost in all this is companies designing, products that don't have to have, you know, 783 combinations on one head. They, they design specifically for a loft. Then they go up to the next loft and they say, Hey, this, the guy who's using this is going to typically have these types of ball flight issues and we're going to design it that way. So there's, there's a, a way to fit into Wilson drivers. That's really special. And I think they're again, like you mentioned, underrated, but uh, worth paying attention to. Okay. I just want to go to hybrids now. And I want to just highlight one company I think that's been getting some attention as of late, even, you know, just a couple of weeks ago with John Daly at the Insperity, one of the stories was the full bag he had of Tor Edge products. So I'm looking at the Exotics Hybrid, obviously their line of clubs. What's what's Tor Edge? What do you, what, I mean, I know what it is, but what, what do you feel about them in general? You know, I, I, I love Tor Edge because they can, they sort of uh, uh, live in two neighborhoods, right? The, the, the Exotics line, explores sort of different materials and and you know different face technologies and then they have kind of this lower end line you know the the hl stuff that uh, uh you know quite honestly i think the the tour edge hot hot launch line is the most important line hybrids irons uh all the way along because you know the hybrid is 130 dollars and it is perfectly designed for what hybrids should be. Get the ball up in the air. No questions asked. You know, don't give me any of your, I'm trying to, you know, saute a little, you know, six hybrid. No. Up and high and land soft. And that uh, that uh, E521 line and C521 those are just solid, solid hybrids for an incredibly affordable price. And, you know, I mentioned the exotic stuff. A lot of that exotics technology flows in to the uh, less expensive hot launch line, and you benefit from that. Yeah. No, it's uh, 
Very true. And it's cool to kind of see that company develop and grow. I'm moving into irons. And I know you mentioned that PDIs, player distance irons are obviously a very, very hot category. Just with player irons, though, I'm noticing, obviously, I mean, I'm kind of partial to Callaway. I do have the X-Forged CB clubs. And the only reason being is I just think they're beautiful. I I mean, they feel great. And full disclosure, I only carry a seven, eight, nine in pitching wedge in my irons and then everything else is hybrids and woods. So if that tells you anything about my game, but player irons still aesthetically is it, I mean, obviously performance is a big thing, but aesthetics play a big role, Mike, in these, in these irons. Well, I mean, again, to, to even be in the discussion for that type of player, you've got to have a, a specific look and it, it goes back to, to the, the top line in a lot of ways, how thick that top line is, or more likely how thin it is, uh, what you can do with a fairly narrow sole. So I, I think that the sort of blueprint in and of itself is kind of restricting in terms of, well, how, how much horsepower can we inject into these things? But, you know, you're seeing things again, like with the, with the uh, Apex Pro from Callaway, uh, you know the 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 Cobra King tour has been out out a couple of years and and you're seeing good things there, uh, you know. So the, and there's there's some sort of hotter face technologies that we're seeing. You know the the uh, Titleist stuff, the amount of tungsten in those irons. You know the uh, the T100s. I mean they, those are as stable as as you know your run of the mill game improvement iron and and yet it's I don't, you know, it, it, no one would say I'm. This is forgiving when you look at it. The fact is, that's that's exactly what what's being designed into these players' irons. Because let's face it, the game's hard, whether you're really good or or really bad, and and everybody has a miss hit, and they want to play their miss hits because you yeah. have to. Well, I I just find even the guys I play with, and, and it's not a big deal, but it's like you know you're hitting the same. Same distances, and they've got, oh, I'm hitting a pitching wedge, and I'm hitting like a 7 or an 8 iron. And then, of course, it's because they're most of them are using the the uh, tricked-up player distance irons, which are usually stronger lofted. There's no no question on that. On the PDI side, Mike, TaylorMade getting, I, I think they've done a good good job with some of their irons. In fact, so much so that I, I see a lot of guys that I play with, and they're like, oh, yeah, I got these blades. Like, they actually, people actually think that those are, blade irons but they're actually not they're improvement irons right oh sure and i mean yeah. that's been a been a trend right you have the the muscle back look but it's a hollow iron uh it's got a a, a separate face that's very thin and, and there's usually some sort of uh magic juice in the middle to kind of soften it and allow the face to flex but control the vibrations so you still maintain that sort of muscle back feel but yeah p790 is is again uh in that category of uh wow that looks like there's nothing there when in fact it's all under the under the hood and and i i think you're you're certainly seeing that in in that category category whether you're talking about ping i500 um you know obviously the the callaway uh apex has been kind of the standard in, in the player's distance iron category. I mean, I don't want to say that they necessarily invented the category, but they have clearly been a leader, uh, you know, eight years ago when, when Apex first appeared. So I think uh, uh, the fact is, uh, you know, we talked about forgiveness in player's irons. 
players distance irons ratchet up the forgiveness, but they give you distance as well. And because of the way they they use multiple materials in, the, in these irons, they can go with sl- sl- slightly stronger lofts, but they're still get getting the uh, same apex height, you know, the same steeper landing angle. So you're getting more distance with the same sort of green holding uh, trajectory. Two more categories to go. I want to talk about putters and then just finish up with some balls. But mallet putters, blade butter putters, I know you guys break them down in the hot list. I'm just going to go putters overall. And one one company I want to identify, I've known them for a long time. They're no no strangers to putters, and that's Betnardi. But is are, do you see anything shifting with them in the sense of market share or growing a bit more? Again, I've always been a fan of what they do. I feel like more people are starting to know more about them or am I wrong on that? No, I think they're, they're getting a, a lot of attention. They're getting tour use uh, certainly more regularly than maybe they, they haven't passed. I mean, there, there's, you're, you're always going to go up against Odyssey, which, you know, on a weekly basis might have, you know, 45% of, of players using their putters. Um, and I think Bettinardi uh, knows what it is and, and it's, largely about classic designs it's largely uh, about uh sort of having a couple of different um face textures to appeal to a certain feel but these are these are classic uh maybe underappreciated uh in terms of their jewel-like qualities uh that are such solidly made putters uh i think they're they're they routinely in our, in our process in terms of look, sound and feel, they are routinely at the top. And, and I think, you know, we all know that putters, uh, you know, as, as fascinated as I am about technology and those sorts of things, uh, look, sound and feel in putters tends to trump almost everything <laughs> out there when, uh, when it gets down to the, to the buying and the shopping experience. Yeah, and Mike, and I, I don't know if I've asked you this before. I'm trying to remember, but I, I know a gentleman named Brad Converse who has a company called Bradley Putters, and they make putters out of wood. And they're not, I mean, they're beautiful. They're not are just art pieces. They're actually functional putters. And he would, I mean, he'd be the first to say he would challenge any other putter uh, to perform because uh, he believes in his product. But have you ever reviewed or tried a wood putter? Uh, we've had Bradley Putters... Uh... Uh, participate in the hot list. Uh, I want to say a couple, three years ago, maybe. Okay. Okay. And uh, you know, it's. I tell everyone who doesn't make the hot list, it doesn't mean your product's inadequate. It's uh, it's a tough field. Uh, I would say, um, you know, we might have thirty putters that make the hot list. I don't know. I'm yeah. just off the top of my head, we probably have ninety. Wow. That we're looking at. Wow. So it, it is it is a tough category, you know, by comparison. Uh, I think there might be 14 drivers technically that make the hot list. You yeah. might have 25 yeah. that we're looking at. So. Yeah. so, yeah. But what do you recall, like, what was your, any overall, like, the feel of it? Because I've tried it before, and it, actually they felt really good, the wood putters. Yeah, I mean, I think um, my experience with, with them, I, I think it is a a, a distinct feel. I think they feel good. I think it's somewhat dependent on the golf ball choice that you make. If you're, yeah. if you're a, a two piece sort of distance ball kind of player that they probably don't feel particularly great um, compared to a, 
kind of one of the softer uh, urethane cover balls. Um, you know, I, I, but I think there the the old story is there's really only one metric when you're choosing a putter: does the ball go in the hole or not? Yeah, <laughs> so, true, exactly. You so, can putt with a two by four if it gets it in there. <laughs> you know, a lot of fitters I talk to, and they, I ask them if they they do putter fitting. They all do. Obviously, they all have the latest technologies, and and then they they say, but if I, a guy has a putter that looks like it's been in there a while, we don't even talk about it. <laughs> we don't yeah, even no, talk exactly. about it. Love Actually, is, and it's interesting. Just speaking of putters, because I uh, I noticed a couple weeks ago at the um, two man event in Zurich there, the Zurich Classic with Schwartzel wasn't using that putter he'd been using prior to. You know, the one that kind of looks like it's reversed. You know what putter I'm well, talking yeah, about? Yeah, it was the old uh, backstrike from. Yeah, but he's not. It did. I noticed he's not using that anymore. So yeah, well, you know, desperation. It's uh, uh, again desperation. Desperation isn't a strategy either, but it happens a lot. <laughs> Yeah, no, and actually, well, I mean, they obviously had a good finish, not the way they wanted to finish, but interesting. So let's segue into balls because we've mentioned balls there. A company I want to talk ask you about right off the top, um, just because they've been working on some different technology we've been hearing, and I don't know where it is, but Encore, who got some uh, got some unwanted press, I think, during the Masters. We won't right. talk about that, but they have they had been talking for a while, Mike, about a ball with GPS capabilities. Have you? Is there is that still on the radar? Have you heard anything more on that? You know, I, I've obviously heard about that from the very beginning. I have not heard much lately on that subject. It's a, uh, um, it, it's certainly a very possible idea. I would think that the patent landscape is pretty challenging in that area. I mean, let's face it, uh, something like Top Golf has. Uh, chips embedded in their golf balls. Yeah, I think the the challenge when you start embedding something that is not quote golf ball in a golf ball, how do you not have it negatively affect the golf ball? And on top of that, if you think it's challenging to get the core perfectly centered, well, unless you get the chip perfectly centered, it, it doesn't matter how effective your chip is you've made the b golf ball worse yeah and and yeah. it's very very challenging so i think that's probably the technology itself is not the challenge the manufacturing is the challenge yeah and i think that's where kind of where they are right now i i don't know if we're a lot closer or we're still pretty far from that and 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 i would say if you're concerned about losing golf balls you know, um, and you're trying to find it with, with, uh, sort of some microchip GPS, uh, I might want to go see your local pro first. Yeah. And I think but in, on, on the flip side of that though, too, though, I think there is, I mean, I think it's kind of cool just in the sense that I think if they could get it to work in a way that, you know, didn't affect the performance of the ball, you think of the data you could potentially get too from, from and in, in, I, I don't know. I just think it'd be kind of no, interesting. You, you mentioned that Wilson is is clearly working on that technology. They already have it in, in uh, basketballs. Okay, so, there you go. So it's so. it's a it's a thing. It's um, you know we talked early on about information overload. Uh, I am a huge fan of of Arcos and the data that they can generate. So I think uh, uh, that is that is the the real possibility for improvement. The more we understand about our games and and can chart our our progress to oh, yeah. improvement, right? The more Huge. likely we're going to make that happen. 
Yeah, and I'll do a shameless plug for ShotScope because I do use them as well. And I mean, I can tell you after one season with them, like even from just my driving, I now know where I miss the ball the most and I'm able to make adjustments and, you know, try and work on things. So it's uh, it's amazing. I, I can't fault that at all. Quickly, just f- wrapping up with balls, though, what, what do you see for balls coming down the pipe for technology outside of what we were just chatting about with, with GPS stuff? But, I mean, is there much more that balls can do? Or are they still pushing the envelope? Um, you know, I, I think actually we're right in the middle of our ball hot list process. We just finished some player testing days. And I think the, the, uh, you know, we had 82 balls that we were looking wow. at. Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't, I think the challenge right now for, for golf balls, they have no trouble producing a lot of different types of balls. I think their challenge right now is trying to figure out how to make it easy for players to get into the right ball. And short of saying, hey, why don't you just take four sleeves out, you know, one afternoon and see if it makes a difference. That's impractical and seems not particularly scientific. So interesting. um, So, I mean, I think there's there's potential there. I don't think we're 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 quite quite there yet. But Callaway is ramping up stuff on that. Titleist has been part of it. And obviously for years, Bridgestone has has tried to incorporate data to get people to think of rethink the, the ball choice but it's you know which shots are the most important to you that's what i come back to which which shot d- determines your happiness level with your round and that should be the one that you focus on in terms of your ball choice well maybe in uh, ball companies that you're only as good as your last ball that's how uh, <laughs> right. that's how it could be. Mike Stachura from Golf Digest. Check out the Hot List 2021. And as you just heard him, uh, golf ball info will be coming out soon. They're right knee deep uh, in testing now. So we look forward to seeing the results of that. Thanks so much for being on the show, Mike. Love the Jody. Anytime. Golf Digest Hot List. You can find it online simply by going to golfdigest.com. Uh, Mike is always a class act. We certainly Appreciate his time today. Look, uh, just a reminder, 20 years we're celebrating of doing this show. We are so appreciative of your support. And as I mentioned, some great giveaways to come. I should have asked Mike, Brett. I should have asked Mike if he could send down some drivers for us. I'm sure that guy's got, like, tons of drivers in his uh, in his garage. I meant to ask him that. Shoot, I'll have to get it. Uh, I want to know how many clubs he actually has in his garage. Um he probably doesn't have that many at all. Probably sends them all back. But anyway, uh, Brett Black, thanks as always for your production work. If you have a question at home, you can always email us, J-O-D-I-E at jjthegolfguy.com. We will do this again in seven days. Enjoy the rest of your week. See ya.